Hi, we're Mike and Jennifer Wendland, and welcome to the RV Podcast. And we're on location today in Goshen, Indiana. We're going to learn about how the RV industry is responding to higher gas prices, runaway inflation, parts shortages, and unprecedented demand for their new RVs. We're at the Keystone Factory. We've got a great interview coming and lots of news about the RV lifestyle. Stay with us. Welcome, fellow travelers. It's time for another episode of the RV Podcast. Answering your questions, sharing tips, suggesting great trips and off-the-beaten-path adventures, and always staying on top of the RV lifestyle news you need to know about with great interviews and inside industry information. Here's your hosts, award-winning journalists Mike and Jennifer Wendland. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the RV Podcast. I'm Mike Wendland. This is my lifelong traveling companion and my bride, Jennifer. Hello, my dear. Hello, Michael. Let's move to the side and show them where we are. We are uh, at the uh, Keystone uh, RV Company in uh, Goshen, Indiana. And this is the, uh, the production line for the Arcadia fifth wheel. Now, why that one? Well, because we're actually in town uh, to... Uh, check out uh, our Arcadia. Yes, we're getting one this week, how ours was built. We're going to learn about uh, its different systems and do a tour of it. But uh, we thought while we were in town, we'd just record the podcast right here. And we also got the president of the company to sit down and uh, talk to us about the state of the RV industry and um, everything from quality to uh, backlog orders. Uh, It'll be an interesting interview and you can hear that coming up in a minute. This has been a really busy time for us. It's been a great experience. I think you're going to really benefit from the time you spend listening to this. And uh, it's been a fun day. It's been a crazy week, though. Uh, Let's answer the question that we left hanging last week. We got the truck. (laughs) Yes, we got the truck that we'll be using to uh, pull our Arcadia. And uh, it is a Ford F-250 Lariat 4x4 diesel. 2021 model, one year old, had about 28,000 miles. We drove from uh, north of Detroit uh, down to Lexington, to um, Louisville, Kentucky, and bought it and drove back the same day. It was 800 miles the same day. Yeah, Bo said he didn't like that. But Bo did like the truck. More importantly, everybody wants to know, did I take Jennifer? Yes, I am not stupid. I did <laughs> take Jennifer. And... Um, uh, she liked it. <laughs> I do like it. It's a nice truck. And it's it's very comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. It is comfy. It has a nice dedicated back seat for Bo. He doesn't seem to complain about it. He can sprawl out. He can see out the windows. Um, so we got the truck. Uh, we have to have the hitch installed this week. And we take possession of the, um, of the RV this week, of the uh, Arcadia 32-foot fifth wheel that we have. And we'll be doing our first camping trip for it. Lord willing, this week, but um, it's been it's been crazy. Uh, just all the logistics of it, and uh, getting the picking and choosing the right hitch, uh, finding a place to install it, realizing we had to put a cover over the pickup bed when we weren't towing with the hitch, mm-hmm. getting a cover. I put in a new dash cam, and we filled up with gas. <laughs> and I wasn't even empty when I filled it up. But on the positive side, it gets great gas mileage. Now, I'm not towing anything yet with it, but I'm getting about 19 miles a gallon. 
and that is phenomenal in my book for a F-250 heavy-duty truck, diesel engine. If you say so, sir. Uh, well, we only got 12 in our motorhome, and the car we traded in, your car, uh, ran on premium gas, mm -hmm. which is almost as expensive as diesel, <laughs> and it got, you know, maybe 14 miles a gallon. So, so we're getting good gas miles. it was smooth. Miles. We kind of floated. You did. It had a truck of, engine and a did. car body. It did. Uh, so uh, this is this is uh, been like two and a half months of, of work. We just did a tour of the Arcadia, and I'm going to put a picture up because we'll have videos on it. But here is us at the factory getting uh, a look at our completed um, uh, fifth wheel. It's 32 and a half feet long, and uh, you already came up with a name for it. What is it? It's our castle. The castle. <laughs> well, that's because we're going camping. In Michigan, it rains a lot. And I said, even if it rains, it's going to seem like a castle, you know, because we're going to have so much space. Yeah. It, What's it, the square footage in that thing? It feels huge. I don't know. With 32 and a half feet, really nice, dedicated, uh, queen-size bedroom, lots of storage. We will do, obviously, a complete walkthrough tour like we do with every new RV we get. Uh, that'll be coming up in a, in a few weeks. It's got to get Bo's approval. we gotta got to get the bow in there. Yep, it, it does. Uh, this podcast, of course, is uh, being released on all your favorite podcast apps, your audio apps, uh, from Spotify to uh, uh, iTunes, Apple's uh, podcast, uh, Google uh, podcast. You can listen to it on uh, uh, Tuned In and whatever app you use. But it's also, of course, a video version of the podcast that is being released uh, on the RV Lifestyle YouTube channel. Uh, we're delighted. We urge you to subscribe to the podcast. We also want to tell you we have a new contest that we started. Um, I found something that I think is really going to be handy for all of you who are coffee drinkers. Uh, we're always looking for good coffee. Uh, Jennifer doesn't drink coffee. I don't drink coffee, but I do. You certainly I, I do. Have two cups a day. I start in the morning with them, and um, we've had all sorts of different coffee makers over the years. This is uh, really cool. This is from a company called Wildland Coffee. And what it is, is is it's coffee, ground coffee, high-end coffee, that is in a pouch, just like a tea bag, only it's a little bigger than a tea bag. And you uh, heat your water up to almost boiling, uh, pour it in a cup, and then put the tea bag or the coffee bag in that cup and let it steep for five minutes to eight minutes, depending on how strong you want it. And it is delicious coffee. Well, we're giving away uh, to four different uh, uh, people who enter this sweepstakes. We're giving away four, uh, I think there are 20 packs of these things, different flavors, really good. You're going to enjoy it. Uh, and you can win them. Just uh, go to uh, rvlifestyle.com slash sweepstakes. rvlifestyle.com slash sweepstakes. And you can learn uh, uh, how you can win. Just a simple way to end. No charge, enter, no charge. And we'll announce the winners in a couple of weeks. Four of them, four different winners will get a big assortment of these uh, these coffee bags. Uh, if you want to learn more information about it, just go to uh, rvlifestyle.com slash wildlandcoffee. All one word, wildlandcoffee. rvlifestyle.com slash wildlandcoffee. Um, enter the sweepstakes. It's, they, it smells so good. Uh, it makes good. me want to drink coffee. Yeah. So they got dark chocolate, regular chocolate. Caramel flavored. Uh, smells good. Yeah, it, 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 lots of different flavors. And uh, what's really nice about that that coffee is they uh, they're biodegradable. So 
Unlike the Keurig cups, which are cluttering up our landfill, this stuff is compostable. And even the pouch that it comes in, uh, this little uh, sealed pouch, uh, all of it is uh, compostable. So good for the environment. But the coffee is really good, too. All right. When we come back, it's time for the interview of the week. And we will be talking to the president of Keystone RV, Jeff Runnels, live on location in Goshen, Indiana. So stay with us. Are you tired of overcrowded campgrounds, competing for reservations, paying high fees for sites? Well, ownership is an emerging trend in RVing that might be for you. Jennifer and I recently bought some property just west of Nashville from a great company in Tennessee that specializes in large acreage RV property. They're called Tennessee Land and Lakes. You can check them out at myrvland.com. The scenery and the setting is breathtaking and you own it outright. It's not a timeshare. Your property, your way. You can garden, landscape, bring your pets, your friends. It's big acreage in a private setting. There's high-speed fiber optic internet connection along with utilities. A wonderful place to make your home base. No more calling around for reservations. And it's ready whenever you want to be there. Prices for big acreage start at only $79,900. Plus, you get us as your neighbors. There's financing available and some really friendly staff to work with. Visit MyRVLand.com. That is MyRVLand.com. You'll be glad you did. When we're on a road trip, we always seem to find a way to stop at a Camping World Center. There are over 225 Camping World locations across the country. And there's always one close by when we need parts and accessories for our RV or just want to shop. In fact, uh, we have so much fun with uh, Camping World. And as we talk about it as one of our sponsors, they have agreed to offer a 10% discount. If you use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10, when you buy $99 or more in merchandise, you'll find everything you want from outdoor furniture and appliances, the ones you see us use in our videos and that we talk about here in the podcast. RV extras that include everything from camping chairs to fire pits, electrical accessories, must-have gadgets. Check them all out. And again, don't forget, use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10 when you visit CampingWorld.com. All right, welcome now to our Interview of the Week segment. And our guest is Jeff Reynolds. He's the president of Keystone RV, and that's where we are coming to. Look at all those beautiful Arcadias back there. Jeff, it's great to have you on the podcast. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's really great to be here. But it's particularly great to be here because we're getting one of those. We're buying one of those this week. And we yes, are really are. excited. So uh, we wanted to talk to you about this unique time that we're in for the RV industry. Post-pandemic, the demand is not dropping off like many predicted. I suppose a little bit, maybe, but not, not pockets, much. Yeah. Uh, the challenges that the industry faces. Let's talk about those and then where we see it going and then we want to touch on quality. So those are the kind of the main things we'll talk about. Okay. So yeah. let's start with where we are in terms of uh, of this post-pandemic world. So it's been a world when is a perfect way to put it. It has been, uh, we went from not sure if we were going to work to not working to we can't ramp up fast enough. And, and it all happened now looking back, it seems like in a matter of minutes. And so we've really spent the last two years just trying to catch our breath. Um, we, it, it was first, you know, getting the parts and pieces in here and then just getting the people. And I think I saw an article, it was last week or the week before, where 
you know, Greater Elkhart County was was number one in small market um, employment in the nation. In so. The nation. It's uh, that feels good, and at the same time, it's frustrating because you know, with a discretionary good, you never know when it's going to be great and when it's going to go away. And so that's the spot we're in in the market right now. Um, we can always, you know, people ask about gas prices or war or parts or you know, we can usually weather one storm, maybe two storms, but with a discretionary good, it's hard to weather multiple storms. And it seems like no matter how many things get thrown at us, we keep weathering those storms. So. You know, as we're getting back into shows now, as the pandemic kind of drops off a little bit, we're starting to see some surges in different price points and markets again, like you usually would at show season. This is the time of the year when the weather breaks. So we start to get pockets of, you know, fair weather folks coming back and exploring and figuring out what they want. So right now we're in that time where we're just trying to figure out, okay, what's the next six months look like? Because we can't go in recent history on anything. Well, let me, let me see if I can get a, a little better understanding perspective of pre-pandemic back before before the pandemic uh, changed everybody's life so drastically if i was to order a new arcadia or one of your other brands in montana how long would it have taken me from the time i signed an order to getting delivery i'd say six to eight weeks would be a fair assessment this was pre-pandemic pre-pandemic yep Today, if I ordered one, how long would it take? Probably closer to 20 to 30 weeks. 20 to 30 weeks. So um, now, at the same time, uh, how has employment been? What, what was employment like here? Uh, and I don't know if that's proprietary yeah, or no. not, but what was it like pre-pandemic and what's it like now? So I would say that pre-pandemic, we were going into what we felt was going to be an uptick. So unemployment was low. Um, it went to non-existent. We always talk about unemployment in this area in terms of, okay, you get 3% or less, you're really getting into unemployable, you know, where there, there are barriers to working. Um, we've been below that level for two years now, and, and we're still below that level. So, um, you know, we talk about pockets of, of hot and cold for different price points. But, you know, we're employing more as a, a, an industry right now in this area than we ever have before, and there's still a need for more. I guess the question, do you have as many people working for you now post-pandemic than you did before? or more. You have more? We have more. Uh, we had a story the other day where we reported about Amazon uh, looking for a thousand workers to build a new. That's got to cause some concern for yeah. people. It and has. They, it, it has. We, you know, one thing about our industry is we... we a lot of this area is built on RVs. And if it's not a manufacturer, it's a supplier. So we tend to fight with each other for workers. And um, we fight with other industries. You know, if you want to get a house built around here, especially over the last two years, it's really difficult to find a construction company because they're all fighting with us for skilled labor, whether it's plumbers or, you know, roofers or whatever the case may be. But then we fight with our suppliers, and and so it's just kind of this this flywheel that, that turns round and round and round. But it's really a a, a good news story out of a bad news situation Absolutely. because none of that would happen if there wasn't a big demand for these RVs. That's right. So uh, people have talked a lot about um, how long this this is going to continue. How long can you keep weathering all these multiple storms? You weathered the pandemic, which was unprecedented. Then the supply chain thing kicked in, and uh, uh, you don't have, I don't think, the chip problem because you're not building motorhomes, but uh, the employment problem, uh, and now we're talking about runaway inflation, $5 a gallon gas approaching. Uh, 
where do you see us in six more months or, or a year or two years? Can you, does your crystal ball work that far? My crystal ball never works. It never works that far, yeah. but it doesn't work in this industry. I, I think for the next two or three months, we're just catching our breath. I mean, we just got done saying we've had two years where I don't think anybody in this industry has ever run that hard. And so um, we're, we're always looking three months, six months, one year, three years out. You have to do that for any business. Um, but right now, talk about supply chain issues. Every time we think we get through them, we get another curveball. And at Shanghai, you know, is the most it's recent curveball. Totally shut down the whole city. And so you imagine, even if we have amazing demand, if we just get one part, whether it's a shower door or an entry door or a window, that can stop everything because you can't really build units without certain parts. So. I think even if demand slips a little bit, which, you know, we would expect after two years, we don't know how many people we've pulled forward in the cycle. We don't know how many new people we've brought into the industry. Some of that's going to catch up with us over the next six months to one year. But even if that does, supply chain may still hold things up more. Let's, let's talk about quality for a little bit. This is a concern the industry certainly has been addressing, trying to get more techs on one end. Uh, towards building uh, RVs that uh, are, are higher quality. Where, what are some of the things quality-wise that you're seeing RV manufacturers doing? And maybe some of the specific things that you're doing. We've learned some really cool things you're doing, for example, in our brand, the Arcadia. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, getting people to take more ownership of their own maintenance and their own repairs. Talk about some of those things that can help. So with a, with a shortage of service tax, um, you know, our dealers are facing some of the same challenges we are. There's just not enough people, especially in the RV industry, to go around. And so when you get into service, you want an experienced, qualified individual. And um, that requires, you know, teaching and it requires you know, learning how to, how to service these coaches. And so as, a, as a, a manufacturer, we know that this is a limited season. You know, the farther north you go, the more limited your season is. And so people go to, whether it's a new or a used RV or an RV they've had for years, they take it into the service department and they don't want to hear that we might not be able to get to you for six weeks. We might not be able to get to you for two months. Well, they lose half their season and lose all their season. So we, we took steps, um, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic to say, okay, we need to find other ways to keep our customers camping. And one of the things we did was this kind of DIY series where, look, not everything has to go into a dealer. If your unit is usable, we want you to stay out and we want you to camp in it as long and as much as you can. And we'll participate, contact us. We wanna make sure we get you the parts, whether it's through your dealer or through us. And so we've, we've done more direct to consumer part shipping. We've tried to do more online um, teaching so we've got you know classes now online where we do videos and we say okay you know here's a here's a do it yourself um, so little things like that that helps um, but it's certainly not everything we're doing. What about um, in production uh, steps that you can take uh, inspection checking these things for defects before they leave? Uh, we were one of the things we've learned as we've come to visit ours is how many people have actually checked out all of the different parts in our unit and it's not it's not because we bought a unit it's 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 right. your standard procedure and i know other manufacturers are, are are serious about the same thing talk about how some of the quality checks you have now that maybe weren't here uh back in the, the pre-pandemic days so we've had to make some changes um as we have parts that stop the line when they're short we also have things that we can continue to build if we're short uh, window balance or a pillow and so if it's simple, we'll continue the line because we want to keep our folks working. We want to keep our suppliers working. And so 
that created a uh, above and beyond check where we have to make sure we're not missing a part or we're not forgetting to put something in. And through that, it helped us do a double check of all the quality. So we quarantined spots in our yard after the fact. So if an Arcadia leaves this plant, traditionally it sits in a, a yard directly at the plant and then it's cleared and it will go to another one of our holding yards. And then we may do a random um, sales audit where we pull a, a ready to ship vehicle back into the plant. Well, we've had to add steps to that because if we were missing a pillow or a sham or a window balance and it gets cleared and it leaves the plant, we have to have a system to make sure we're tracking all the different units and all the different plants for all the different shortages. So that gave us the opportunity to look over these units again. And so we enlisted the help of everyone from groups in our shipping department to groups that we actually put together for a secondary and even third PDI to walk these coaches to PDIs, pre-delivery inspection. Yep. Yeah. And so we've always had a standalone PDI facility that works separate of the plan, which is a little unique to us. But now, in, a, in essence, we have two of those in, in the case of mo most plants. So there's just a couple of extra steps that we've added in. And then by plant and by product, we've had to add in other steps depending on what the unit required. So is the industry itself responding to these? Are they... Uh, it's not just you guys. You talk no. to all of your counterparts and the other here at the RV capital of the world. Yeah. Goshen, Elkhart. That's where they all built. Yeah. Um, you said your crystal ball uh, doesn't work real well, but uh, look a year or two down the line. The big innovations, certainly solar, certainly lithium. You guys are now making that standard on, on these guys. Uh, what are some of the other innovative things that you see? Well, you've got, we, we're sitting right here with the Arcadian. That's near and dear to your heart. Um, that was a plan or that was a, a product based on innovation. So we always have anywhere from three to five innovative new ideas working in our R&D or, or engineering department at one time. Now, not all of them will make it to the production line, um, but I see more ground up. So, so one of the other kind of nice things that's come out of the pandemic is it's forced us to look at new materials. And so now there's a big push for new supply um, and new material. And so I think that this has really shown us, we can go out and find alternatives to fiberglass, alternatives to rubber, alternatives to you name it. Um, so we've, we're two and three sourced in a lot of places. And we're finding that some of those new sources may have come from outside of the industry. And so whether it's automotive or residential, they're bringing new ideas to the table. And that's kind of where the Arcadia was born. We're gonna build it on a proprietary chassis, and we're gonna see if we can make everything about this different and unique. And there are still quite a few innovations that were designed for the Arcadia that you'll see released over the next two or three years that take this chassis and take some of these ideas. And so I see that evolving. You see uh, the emphasis on lighter RVs, for example, with, uh, with fuel prices uh, so high and uh, the difficulty in getting trucks. Uh, do you see the industry responding in that way? I do. I think light has been a, a, a kind of a call to arms for the last several years. Um, the catch with getting lighter is it, it's going to come with some strings attached, whether that's sacrificing space. Um, certainly, we never want to sacrifice, you know, sturdiness or quality. And so um, what I've seen the industry and retail respond really well to is, OK, we, we've learned how to camp with an outside kitchen in place of a full kitchen. We've learned to camp with, you know, a bed that may be all the way against the wall and I can't walk all the way around it. I think as, as retail gets more used to that, then they're going to be more accepting of what it takes to get some of these coaches lighter. But again, we go back to the supply line. The 
the supply line is going to give us new opportunities to make it lighter and safer. And a lot of that comes from automotive and residential. You see a good future then for the RV industry? I Despite do. Despite all these challenges that they keep increasing, it seems like every week, another one? I do. I think this is an industry on both sides, all sides, dealer, um, vendor, our side, that we respond really well to these kind of challenges. And I think good things come out of it. It feels like we take a step back and we usually take two steps forward. And I think that's what we're doing right now. And you're catching your breath. We're catching our breath. Yeah. Jeff Reynolds, thanks for being a guest on the RV podcast. And uh, we'll be doing a full review on our Arcadia in, the, in a few weeks. So some of those innovations that Jeff just talked about, you'll see it coming up on uh, on our channel. Uh, I'm tired of talking. We want to get out and ride around in ours. So we're going to finish this podcast and go check it out. Thank Sounds you, Jeff. Great. Thank you. All right. When we come back, your questions of the week. Stay with us. When we're asked what's the most important modification we made to our RV, it's an easy answer. Battleborn batteries. Battleborn batteries are quality, safe, reliable lithium batteries that allow us to stay out there off the grid longer. Lithium batteries charge faster, they charge fuller, they're longer lasting, they're maintenance free. And battleborn batteries are protected by a 10 year guarantee. Now, in our case, they just dropped into the existing AGM batteries that we have. And they'll probably be the same on your rig too. Battleborn battery experts can get those in your rig just like they did with ours. They can also match you up with the right cabling, the inverter, the charger, the solar controller, everything. Jennifer and I swear by our Battleborn batteries. They allow us to boondock off the grid. Check them out. Go to rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. Welcome back, and now it's time for your questions of the week. Now, before we get to the couple of questions we had this week, I wanted to uh, give you some feedback. Uh, we've had a lot of people who are taking us up on the uh, uh, request for people to help us name that uh, RV resort that we are developing for ourselves in Tennessee. And uh, we've got a bunch of different names. Uh, Camp Bo's Roost, you know, after Bo, our dog. Uh, Camp Wendland. Mm-hmm. Shady Rest, Pine Hill, Adventure Awaits Nature Preserve. That's our our code, uh, our, our subtitle for our RV lifestyle platform, Adventure Awaits. Uh, so I see where they got that. Awaiting Adventure. Yeah. Camp Ramblin' Wild. Woodland Retreat. Tennessee Escape. Mountain Heights. Rocky Top. <laughs> <laughs> Club Commodore. Rocky Top, Tennessee. Uh, Club Commodore, named after the Commodore Bar in the town of Linden, right next to where we are, Commodore Hotel at the bar. Buffalo River Retreat. And uh, we're not sure any of those are quite right, but if you have one, you can send us the suggestions. What do we name our property in Tennessee? Uh, if we pick your name, the name you suggest, we'll invite you down for a free uh, two-day uh, campout with us sometime uh, this summer. Sounds like fun uh, to me. Just send it to us. Our private email if, or whatever you want to write us, that's Mike and Jen at RVLifestyle.com. All right, let's get on to our questions of the week. All right, the first question is from Bob. What can our, excuse me, what can our viewers do if they have a campground lot that is so unlevel that the stabilizers and blocks under the wheels, that's not enough? We just took our RV on our first trip, and that is what we ran into. As a result, we couldn't put the slide out. Yeah, it's uh, you, you don't want to put your slide out if you're really uneven. Mm -hmm. uh, well, there's a couple of things you can do. Uh, one is the simplest thing is move, 
move well, or ask go to the campground office and explain and do so nicely right mm-hmm. I mean, don't don't go say hey you gave me a most unlevel side just say hey I wonder if you can help me out with the problem um, you know being nice always is a great way when you're asking somebody for something hopefully they'll say oh okay one well, problem we'll find you a better site but sometimes that isn't possible campgrounds are so crowded so uh, what most RVers do is uh, they carry along some extra blocks maybe a two by eight section 15 inch section or so of of wood a couple of those that you can drive whatever wheel is up you know get it up up there a little bit and then um when you or not get get not get the wheel up but uh, get the blocks underneath the level so the level what's what's happening is your levels are probably uh going to maximum retraction and if you put the the uh, blocks up it's going to get you up higher when they go to map is, is that making sense mm-hmm. or could i say it better probably you could say it better but you people are smart you know what i'm saying get a couple of wooden blocks two by eight to put underneath the level the levelers as they go down that's that's probably the best thing to do some people use those little lego uh blocks um you know i'm not a big fan of them because you need so many of them sometimes but the cheapest is just a couple of two by eight hunks of wood mm-hmm. and put those underneath your and levelers. sometimes if a campground really isn't level they'll have pieces of wood available yeah we've done that before and they're aware so if you have room carry them if not and if not those little yellow lego like blocks those leveling blocks you know those things will work too but uh, carry those and uh, those are your options um there's not a lot else you can do other than you know remember that site if they won't let you move and if you can't get it up high enough uh, you know to be level then um, you're gonna have to sleep crooked <laughs> okay our second question is from marcy do we need a cell phone booster hubby says yes i see a 500 dollars price tag Aren't the cellular networks pretty built out these days? Hubby says you two have one. Uh, should we get one? I don't think you need one. Um, yes, we did have one uh, two RVs ago, but we we don't use one now. Frankly, we use a system that's just uh, uh, we we've got a couple of different. We have the MiFi cards; those work great. Uh, but we use a system called Internet on the Go, Internet on the Go dot net and uh it just has its own antennas nothing external and it always gets a signal because the cellular networks truly are built out really well there's only been maybe one or two places that we have camped in the last two years year maybe the last year that we have not had uh internet coverage Uh, maybe not great internet coverage but enough to be usable so is that worth uh to, to kind of help you get a better signal is it worth spending five hundred dollars that's what you need on a good rv dedicated system from and we recommend we boost if that's the company you're going to go with but i would say you probably don't need it you really don't um we've had no problems getting cell connections anywhere in the country now it used to be when we first started 10 years ago it was very it was very spotty it's hard and we found we really did need a, a cell booster for many years but the last couple of years um the networks have really built out we have verizon which i think is probably the the most comprehensive network uh as a backup i also have t-mobile um and then uh, many people have at&t it's it's also very well built up but i know with verizon we just have not been in spots where we can't get a signal so 
uh, I would say you don't need a booster. Certainly try it. Okay, now this question is from Dakota and Logan. We've been huge followers for a couple of years now and have been binge-watching most of your episodes. Yeah. Looking back, if you had one piece of advice to give yourself after all your years of traveling that you uh, could have shared with, could have shared, what would it be? What's that one piece of advice after 10 years of traveling? Jennifer? My first thing is slow down. Mm. We were never able to slow down because uh, uh, we were working our full-time jobs and we had a lot of responsibilities and squeezing this in and then life kind of took over and we had more and more commitments. We needed to be at this gathering and we needed to be here and needed to be there. And so, this became more of a business yes, what we're it, doing it now. Yes, it turned you know? from absolute total pleasure to, uh, to work. To work. You know. Still fun, but be, the work definitely had to be, has to be done. Our goal this year has been to stay longer at the places we go mm -hmm. and enjoy them and explore more to slow down. Yes. And I wish we had done that earlier on, but we had so much we wanted to <laughs> we had see. so much we had to do, commitments, things we had to do. And the second I, th I think we can agree upon is taking too much. It's, it take less. Take less. Yeah. And the more room you have, more storage area you have, the more you take. And uh, you don't need all that stuff. We, like we, we all routinely will overpack. We're packing less than we did before, but we take uh, more clothes. Believe it or not, I take probably more clothes than you take. Well, even like this trip, we went to our son and daughter-in-law's house and saw the grandkids. So we had some things we took for the grandkids and some things there. And then we were working the next four days and, you know, we're going to try to look good. And then we're going camping. For four days. Yeah, in a rig that isn't equipped with anything. I could have, we could have been overflowing with things that I know that we need. But I brought a few things and other things we're going to pick up. Yeah, so I guess, you know, our advice, if we're giving advice to ourselves 10 years ago, it would be start slow, take a few things. And uh, the stuff you don't use, don't bring them next time. And then you'll know the stuff you do need to believe. So I mean, that's it. I like, I appreciated the advice we were given today as we're sitting there and there's one window over the cooktop that there isn't a curtain on. And they said, live with it for a little while, figure it out, just don't jump and buy something. And the reason they don't install something for window treatment is because it's by the cooktop and there's all kinds of codes. So we'll give it a little bit and we'll figure out what's best. Well, that's the podcast for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. Thanks to Jeff Runnels for the uh, interview. Uh, thanks to all the folks at Keystone who uh, allowed us in the factory. Uh, we had a, a lot of fun watching them, actually. Uh, every process of building one of these from the frame to a finished unit. We'll have a video on that coming up. And um, we are so excited because uh, wish us luck. we got to get the hitch installed. That's mm -hmm. uh, coming up this week. And then uh, we got to... Uh, buy the RV and then we got to get a few accessories and then Lord willing this weekend this coming weekend we're going camping for four days and uh, give it a it's shakedown cruise and we'll have lots to talk about all that you can find us on social media if you have a question or comment please send it to us our private email is Mike and Jen at RVlifestyle.com thank you guys so much for watching and happy trails <laughs> <laughs>